Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, we are going to be talking about all things menopause, perimenopause, pre-perimenopause <laughs> with my guest today, Laura Okafor Crane, who is the founder and driving force behind the Perry Sisterhood. It's a leading platform for women in perimenopause, approaching perimenopause, and also postmenopausal women to be able to gather information, guidance, support on all things menopause. So welcome, Laura. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm super excited to be here and to meet you almost in person and to have this conversation. So I wanted to have this conversation today because as I've been diving in and around the Perry sisterhood and the one thing that kept coming up for me over and over again was I really wish that I had had this resource when I first started entering menopause and thought that I was losing my mind, that my body was betraying me. And, you know, having had experiences with several doctors who didn't even mention the word menopause to me. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. And I just kept thinking, man, if I had had this information, I, the conversations would have been so much different. And I probably would have gotten the help I needed a lot faster. And so I love that you are empowering women to be able to advocate for themselves, you know, with this sisterhood. And it really is a sisterhood. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. But I would love to know what prompted you to go down this road of building this community? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy I'm here that we're having this conversation. I am a late millennial. So I am, you know, on the old spectrum of millennials. And my mother went through a quite rough menopause transition. She didn't know back then that it was menopause. She didn't talk much about it. But in hindsight, we knew that this was perimenopause, which was driving her mood changes, her anxiety. So mainly on the emotional health side, she was still, you know, a very loving person, but just her mood mm -hmm. significantly changed. Then I forgot about that topic, to be honest. And then in my mid-late 30s, I became mother of two small children. And it was just so eye-opening for me that in our journey as a woman, we do have, luckily, many online resources and communities for most faces in our lives. There are a million pregnancy apps, communities. There are so many new mother apps and conversations. And I feel like, of course, motherhood and postpartum is overwhelming, but we are to some degree prepared for it. And we have to some degree, at least a place where we can go to, to ask questions. And then I got reminded again, you know, that there comes something after fertility and after you're kind of done with the baby planning, if you choose to become a parent. And that led me to the question, like, what is next for us? Like, what is our next hub? What is our next support system? What is our safe space? And I realized that, that there is nothing really to, you know, like you're saying to 
inform yourself beforehand to get the resources, to be equipped to ask the right questions to your practitioner. It feels like we are so much guided throughout our fertility journey and then we're kind of dropped in the dark afterwards. And that really, you know, especially for my generation, I feel like Gen X opened the conversation and, you know, broke the barriers. And that's why we're talking about it. And I really want to make sure with Perry and the sisterhood you've been mentioning that everybody like me and after me will now be more prepared coming into that next and very natural phase. Yeah, I love that so much because I know in my own experience, like we didn't talk much about menopause. In fact, I knew the word, I knew what it meant, but I didn't have any frame of reference for when it was going to happen to me, how it was going to happen to me, what I was going to go through. And, you know, I have been very open with my own daughter, who's like 30, you know, about what that journey is. So like, I feel like she's so much better equipped to know like what's coming down the pipe for her and what it's going to look like and how to manage it. And so I love that that you're preparing this next generation for that, because I feel there's a little bit like us, you know, the women of my generation, like, I feel like we were a little bit like paving the way because previous generations absolutely didn't talk about it, right? (laughs) Like never mentioned it at all. And then we were the first ones going, what the hell now? And then we start talking about it, right? And that dearth of information is going to lead to not only better conversations, but better support on all fronts, research, medical, you know, solutions, whatever it might be. I just feel like we've opened up something that's going to be impact future generations for like a million years. (laughs) Absolutely. You paved the way, you paved the way. I think that I was reading it somewhere like Gen X doesn't sit back silently and, you know, does things happen to them. So that's very the generation who you know, really broke open that conversation. And I feel like millennials, we are so used to that everything is being fed to us digitally and that we have a solution for everything. So I know that my generation won't accept that there are no solutions, that there are no support groups, no support systems. So it's definitely two generations which are completely changing the course of conversation. Yeah, for sure. And I think I read a stat somewhere that says there's going to be over a billion women in menopause or yeah. perimenopause by I think 2025 or 26 or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's staggering. And the fact that there can be 1 billion people suffering yeah. without, <laughs> without proper resources to support them feels just like a little yeah. uh, misguided. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about exactly what the Perry sisterhood is. I mean, we touched on it in terms of a resource, but what does that actually look like? Yeah. It's a platform. So we really see ourselves as a hub bringing everything together. At the heart and soul of the Perry Sisterhood is our community, our sisterhood. So those are really peer-to-peer conversations, connections, and even friendships. It's in a, you can imagine it as a forum where women go to and ask away their questions on, is my level of anxiety normal? Who has tried hormone therapy? How do you deal with your kids and your partner? How do you deal at work? So it's really about peer-to-peer support. And we put that at the soul of our platform because we are convinced that there are times in our lives where we need community. And again, I'm referring back to other phases like puberty or pregnancy or parenthood. We do need those personal anecdotes to survive just to know, you know, I'm not the only one who's going through it. 
are not the only one who is experiencing good and bad things. In our sisterhood, in the community, we hear a lot the questions, is this normal? Is my symptom normal? Anybody else experiencing that? And just through having others respond to it and saying, hey, me too, and you're not alone, that already is some sort of emotional health booster and really, you know, some sort of self-care to just know that you're not alone. So the community is really at the front and center of what we're doing. And then we're bringing the framework in of evidence-based, accessible content. Yeah. It's really our mission to break down whatever there is in a new research, whatever myths there are on treatment options, whatever emotional health questions there are. We're bringing in almost every week experts into our space who are menopause-focused, who answer questions either in the form of a webinar or of an article or of a, a podcast as well, just to answer the questions which are coming up every day within our community. So everything you, you can imagine with the Perry Sisterhood is really community-led, but then we really want to make sure that we democratize the access to reliable content. Yeah, that like, again, so powerful, because I mean, I am such a true believer in the power of community. Like I remember, you know, starting my own menopausal journey. And like I said, not having any frame of reference for it. Nobody was talking about it. And then I remember like mentioning to people like, oh, I'm having I remember when I had my first hot flash. <laughs> right? I remember exactly where I was, <laughs> was standing on a plane, waiting to board. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? And, you know, then I mentioned it to a few people and they were like, oh, yeah, I had that too. And we're all kind of in that like, yeah, but I don't really know what that is. I know it's probably hormonal, but what does that mean? Like oh, all of these things, right? But there is a certain amount of like relief, like stress relief and going, oh my goodness, it's not just me right? Like, or this weird yeah. symptom that I'm having is mm -hmm. not like, and I'm mm -hmm. not going crazy, like I'm not losing my mind. Because there was a big part of me that thought like, mm -hmm. okay, I am seriously losing it. Like everybody else seems to have their shit together, but I'm the one that seems to be falling apart, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you think of that, many symptoms are emotional health related. Right. So anxiety is a big one, health anxiety, depressive thoughts, not feeling it like your old self anymore, mood swings. And especially those we hear a lot mm -hmm. that women are saying, look, I thought I'm going crazy. I hate my family. I'm so rude with my surroundings. And I don't know why. And I think especially that, of course, next to all the physical aspects of it as well, but especially there, it's nice to hear, look, I'm having similar thoughts. I'm having similar mood swings, rage episodes, which is just like you're saying, it's a stress release. Yeah. And I think too, just being women and the way that we're cultured as women, uh, we are used to seeing our value in like what we do for other people. So our ability to like serve everybody and do everything for everybody, take care of you know, all the things. And then you reach this point where you're like, I'm not sleeping anymore. I can barely get out of bed. My mood is in the toilet and I'm still expected to keep going, like to keep doing that thing. And then yeah. like, I mean, yeah. it comes down to like a, a question of your value, right? Not, and not that it should be that way, but that's how a lot of us, like, how can I keep doing this when I'm barely functioning and my kids are like in the background, mm -hmm. my husband's in the background, my job's demanding. And I'm like, I'm barely holding it together here, people. <laughs> like, 
you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And yeah, I think for many, it is a time of, like you're saying, we're so used to holding shit together, really holding the family together, (laughs) work. That's for many also in our sisterhood, the hardest part, not to function, quote unquote, like that anymore, and not to be that glue of the family and not to feel like, and I'm now talking in a very kind of stereotypical way, but that's often still how the roles are divided. And yeah, for many, it's hard to really focus on themselves and to take some time and just to listen to themselves say, okay, what can I do to make this better? And this is all mixed with the fact that many, many don't know what's happening, right? right? So it's not that they have a clear idea, oh, this is perimenopause. We hear that in our community so often that women think that they have something very serious, a serious illness, cancer, that they have onset of dementia or depression. So kind of all that anxiety around what is really happening plays into that as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And even, you know, just being willing to ask for help, right? Like to be able to be able to empower yourself with enough knowledge to say, hey, this is what's going on. And I really need some support right now. Like maybe it's to your husband or partner, you to your kids, right? Other than, you know, again, trying to shoulder it all yourself and push through and do everything right. Like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's not a surprise to me that many women just are like, throw up their hands and walk away because I'm like, I can't, I just can't do it all. Right. Um, in fact, So, you know, as you've been in and around the community and you're opening up the conversation, like what for you was the most unexpected symptom that you saw of menopause or the one that's just like, like really unknown that kind of has come up, Mm. would you say? Mm. That's a good question. I think that now it's very known to me because I hear it so much. What I was surprised with at the beginning is all the conversations around heart palpitations, mm-hmm. irregular heartbeats, um, skipping heartbeat. We just had a wonderful podcast and webinar in our community with Dr. Jane Morgan and Dr. Nicole Harkin. They're both cardiologists and they really broke down heart health and perimenopause. And definitely an irregular heartbeat and heart palpitations can be a sign of perimenopause. Yeah. Um, so many women come into our in our community and say, hey, I have these crazy heart things going on. Is that perimenopause? And what the expert said is, yes, it definitely can be perimenopause. However, never just dismiss it. Never just say, oh, I have this heart thing. It's probably just, you know, hormone changes. Always get checked by an expert because the more we advance in menopause, the higher we as women have to have a heart attack, for example. So, But this whole spectrum around heart health definitely has been the most surprising to me because simply that's something, again, which you associate more with men, maybe heart attacks and heart health. And I find that a very interesting and very necessary conversation to have. Yeah, that is so true because that was actually one of my symptoms. I mean, I think I had them all. Let's let's be honest, I probably have checked them all, but that was the one that really... (laughs) caught my attention and actually caught my doctor's attention, you know, for the first time, because I was talking Mm. before about, you know, having the occasional flash, not sleeping, you know, mood swings, all of the things. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, you know, you're probably stressed at work, you know, this, that and the other thing. But was when I started having the heart palpitation, she was like, okay, hold the phone, we need to go check this out. And that's when it kind of started Mm, down. 
the road. But again, had I known, <laughs> I could have said, hey, because at this point, we still hadn't kind of put it together that this is what was what was going on. Yeah. And and this is the other thing. I feel like so many medical practitioners are just very uninformed or not educated about menopause. And that to me, every time I think that it blows my mind because then I go back to the stat that there's going to be one over a billion women (laughs) experiencing these symptoms. And like, when does the medical community, like in general at large, because I know there are a lot of specialists and more propping up every day, but how do we educate the medical community at large to pay more attention so that there isn't this gaslighting or dismissal that happens so often? I mean, I hear that like all the time. <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time in our community as well. That is the most disencouraging part of it because many women revert back to the doctor or the OBGYN who has been good during other phases. Yeah. So maybe has been great at pregnancy then we go back to that doctor and all of a sudden that doctor has no idea what we're talking about. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons to dismiss women is to say, oh, but you're too young. I think there's such Mm -hmm. a misconception of when does perimenopause start? How old do you have to be? What are the symptoms? We hear a lot that doctors are asking, do you still have your period? Well, then it cannot be menopause. So really it goes wrong in the fundamentals. Um, Yeah. And that's also our mission, Jennifer, is to really, you know, kind of broaden the map of experts and have, again, community-led recommendations of, you know, who has helped one person and who might be helpful for, for somebody else. Because we are all desperate to find the right experts. And most of the times you find the right expert by just asking somebody else, like, who has helped you? and who has been helpful with your journey. So we really want to make sure that in the small pool of certified experts, I think there are just more than a thousand in the US of menopause certified experts by the Menopause Society. We want to make sure to still, you know, spread the word of those. And maybe there are even some which are not certified, but who have very good knowledge of menopause and can help with evidence-based support and just, you know, kind of bring them together and help spreading awareness of where the right people are so women can get in contact with them. Yeah. And we were talking just before the show because you guys put on a a panel a little while ago, I think in the summertime, with a number of different experts. And what I loved most about that panel was it really was like a whole cross-functional team, really, from the sleep doctors to the fitness experts to the OBGYN to like all of these other components. Because honestly, I don't think there is a part of your life that goes untouched in this menopausal transition. I mean, everything, right? And so to be able to create that like really cross-functional view, like a holistic view with like, you know, like you said, the cardiologists and all of these people who are now understanding within their own frame of expertise, what does that mean for menopausal women? Like that, I just, I thought it was, it was brilliant. And listening to the, the interaction between the people on that panel as well, too, as they're connecting the dots themselves, right? On all the different things and sharing their experiences. Like it was so invaluable. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy you're saying that. I think that everybody is still learning. And I feel like the, the experts on our, on the panel, they are a great example of being true experts, but also being very open to the conversation and being open to talking to other expertise fields and just having that dialogue. I think 
nothing is more harmful in a transition like that than having a doctor who thinks he or she knows it all and is kind of not open to that conversation. I think what really makes the people in our panel and some great experts in the space so exceptional is that they're open to, you know, learning because the menopause field evolves almost every day. There is now a new research kicked off in DC. There are things happening. So everybody needs to stay on their toes, including experts to really, you know, continue learning on treatment options, on symptoms, on age groups, demographics. There's so much to learn. I feel like the people we had on on our panel Amanda Thiep, who you know, Dr. Sherry Malone, Dr. Shelby Harris, Dr. Narang, all these different experts, they are so great at really staying agile, keeping the conversation open and just being great advocates for women. Yeah. And even, you know, the cultural, you know, dynamic of it as well, too, you know, how, you know, certain uh, cultures of women are experiencing it menopause a little bit differently than others, right? And being able to even open the curtain to that, it was just so, it was so brilliant. Is that available to be watched somewhere? Like I would love for the people listening today, if they could, to go (laughs) listen to that. Yes, yes. We have the YouTube, do we have it on YouTube? Both, we had, it was two-parted panel, one hour, that conversation, one hour, that. We have it on our YouTube channel. So I can definitely share with you the link and you can put it into the show notes. Yeah, I will definitely put that in the show notes because everybody listening, honestly, this was so brilliant. You should just go watch it. (laughs) Definitely go watch it. (laughs) Great, thank you. So one of the things I know you guys launched was the Perry Journal. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that, like, how that's helpful for women? what it does and how it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That really came from the community. So that wasn't our idea that came from the community. Women talking about, you know, what is a helpful non-medical or non-fitness tool to navigate through a transformation like uh, perimenopause. And because emotional changes can play a huge impact and your mood can change, many women were saying that they start journaling again and just sitting down with pen and paper is incredibly helpful to just get your mind of things and just to practice gratitude and get out of the the sometimes negative spiral of thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we thought, oh, that would be great, like a journal where you can, you know, journal your your day and practice gratitude. And then we evolved from there. Then we we kind of involved the community members and asked them what else should be part of this journal. So it became like this handbook almost. So the perimenopause journal is a hundred days of gratitude journaling. So it's kind of a prompted journal, but we also included mood tracking, period tracking. We included a lot of stories from the community. Uh, we have people who are on our panel as well, Stacey London, Tamsin Fadal, who are sharing their story of their menopause transition. And then we said, okay, but we cannot just have a journal standalone without the essential knowledge. So we kind of Got, got together all the different experts in the field who co-authored the journal with dedicated sections mm-hmm. along perimenopause. So the essentials, treatment options, emotional health, ADHD, sexual health, uh, fitness and weight management. So we have like these sections by all these different experts in the field. So it's half of the book is really basic knowledge and the other half is 100-day journaling. Amazing. That's amazing. Or even just a place to keep track, like just to keep track of what's happening to you, 
right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and again, it's so important to like, you know, when you go into your practitioner is like, okay, this is what's been happening. Here's how it, what it looks like, you know, here's what seems to impact it. Yeah. So Absolutely. interesting. And I was just going to say something about that. And, and just to your, yeah. Before, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but just on that point, Dr. Joy L. Balar, who's also part of the book and who was part of the panel, she kind of provided a, an actionable list of how to prepare yourself best for your oh. doctor visit to talk about perimenopause. And the thing with perimenopause, it's often not a diagnosis based on blood work because your hormone levels can look completely normal, <laughs> uh, but still you feel like crap. So like you're saying, it's so important to note for yourself what you're experiencing, which symptoms you're experiencing, how your mood is. And based on that, an experienced expert and somebody who is well-versed in the field will understand and will listen to it and say, that does sound like perimenopause, even though your blood levels might look completely normal. So it's very important to really track for yourself your changes, how you feel, your period and bring that all to your conversation with your healthcare practitioner. Yeah. And I think even being able to track like really random things, like for me, one of the things that popped up in menopause was tinnitus, right? And I've now since learned that mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, that's all part of this. I was thinking about it as something completely different, right? But it like, it gives you a place where you start to be able to see the yeah. sum of the parts, right? And it would be something that I would never mention because it just, I would never connected it to that. But, you know, had I... You know, now that I think about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, right around that time is when I started. But there's all kinds of little random things. And I think the one that really, exactly. the one symptom that really surprised me, and this has actually been, you know, I've been talking about this for a while now, but really surprised me, which started to make a whole lot of sense to me was ADHD, right? And that mm. becoming more of an issue as like, I, all of a sudden I was like, everybody, like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like focus is like, I have to like prep myself with all these steps to like really focus now. Right. And then, you know, mm. I see more and more women in their fifties, forties and fifties, especially being diagnosed as ADD, ADHD, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden mm. now associating that to part of the menopausal journey. I was like, holy cow. Mm. Absolutely. And that's so Dr. Hamdani, who's also part of the book talks about that. And in general, women have, a hard time being taken seriously when they talk about ADHD because it's normally something which is associated with eight-year-old boys, right. right? So it's nothing where where women in general say, okay, this might be ADHD. No, you probably had it all your life already, right. but it definitely becomes stronger and more present when your hormones start to fluctuate. So I was just talking to another journalist who is in perimenopause and she said, her ADHD spiraled out of control and she did not know what that is. She didn't associate it for her before that it might be ADHD, right. but all of a sudden she could not do her work anymore. She had a hard time just doing daily tasks. And that for her was like this eye-opening moment that A, she probably already had it all her life, but just nobody would ever come to her saying, hey, this might be ADHD. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's such a surprising symptom that it becomes stronger and manifest itself more throughout perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I made a note actually to go back and listen to that. It was a podcast episode. I think you had with that doctor and I definitely am going to go yeah. back to, because more and more I put it together. I'm like, Oh yeah, I think that's something actually that might be, uh, Absolutely. Might, might be me. That actually might, it probably is me. <laughs> One of the things 
I was reading about you was your previous career experience in brand development for products for underserved communities. And I want to talk about this because I talk all the time on this podcast about everything in your life prepares you for where you need to go next, right? And it might not seem to be, it may seem to be like kind of random, like you're not necessarily thinking about that as a career step, right? But like you always, you have all of the tools that you need, right? And so, so many women end up in my community or, you know, become clients of mine because they're like, I know I want to do something else with my life, you know, in this next chapter, but what? And I'm like, you need to go back through your past <laughs> and you will find the answer to it, right? Like take an inventory. And then I read your your bio and I was like, oh, brand development for products for underserved communities. I was like, oh my goodness, like you couldn't have been better set up <laughs> for what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. My path is very much in the brand building. I've been working with Procter & Gamble for over a decade. So I'm really like a old school marketeer, brand builder. <laughs> Learned it from the, from the very best back then kind of when it comes to marketing. But I always had brands or, or markets like I'm myself, I'm half Nigerian. So my father is from West Africa. I was doing a lot of brand development for that region as well. And it just... It's very, I want to put it positively, it's just very interesting and inspiring to build brands, even products, and just spaces for historically underserved and unheard consumers and communities. And when I then thought about building Perry, like you're saying, I kind of took that experience with me and I was like, okay, what did I learn? And how can I help or how can I add value to the mm -hmm. menopause conversation? And what I learned as a brand builder is that, yes, brands and products are important and are great, but what what is really needed often is a space and is community mm. and is, you know, to have a place where you can talk. The products can all come and we are happily, you know, looking into the space, what are solutions and what are products. We are a big supporter of some of the telehealth products as well, but with Perry, we don't want to build a product itself, right. but really just more a space where you can engage. And that brand building experience, which I have, helps me to, you know, kind of create that, that tone of voice, which is needed in that moment to be really a relatable space where women want to connect. Yeah. And I love that it's, you know, like your focus is from the community, right? The community is really driving, you know, the development of exactly. the Perry Sisterhood. So what's next for the Perry Sisterhood? Like, where do you go from here? What's on your horizon? <laughs> yeah, such a good question. <laughs> we really want to double down in the next year and the time to come on how can we make content and knowledge more understandable, more accessible? How can we, you know, really become that go-to space for just really relatable, understandable content? Always evidence-based, always by experts, but there's so much buzz in the space, Jennifer. There's so much misinformation. There are so many conversations going on, and we really want to be that place where you can come for that reliable content, um, really make it accessible and what I also want to drive more, and we just have this cooking right now, is how can we involve the next generation more? How mm -hmm. can we be the space for millennials like myself and younger? Everybody knows the book and the platform, what to expect when you're expecting, when you're, you know, when you're becoming a parent. 
how can we become that? How can we become what to expect when you're expecting for perimenopause? And what I really want is that in five years from now, there are two 32-year-old women sitting at a table and saying, hey, have you heard about Perry? Why don't you go there and already read into what's coming next? Because we really want to make sure that women don't stumble anymore into this dark room of being overwhelmed and misinformed. We really want to make sure that everybody, you don't have to become an expert, but everybody knows what's coming next, what to look out for, and what to ask your doctor. Oh, that's amazing. Because I mean, you know, you like, thank you for the work that you're doing, first of all, on this, because you really are changing Mm the direction of this transition, right? Like before it was kind of like, oh, you just crawl into a hole and you curl up and die because like you're in the middle of this thing, right? And I mean, the work I do is about, you know, creating our your next chapter. Like, what does that look like? Well, it's really yeah. hard to create your next chapter yeah. when you're in the hole of menopause. Like when you literally feel like you're not functioning in your day to day, you're not thinking about what do I want to do next? And so being able exactly. to have the resources to navigate that transition. So yes, it, you know, the symptoms are still going to happen, but at least you have a frame of reference and context for it that allows you to put it in its place, right? Because perspective is everything, right? And knowing that you're not losing your mind, knowing that this is normal, knowing that there are solutions and resources for it. Like, again, it's it's so empowering. And then, you know, like when when, when you've got it managed, you can then start thinking about like, how do I want to direct the next chapter of my life? Do I want to stay doing what I'm doing? Or do I want to make some changes? Because that's the other thing I will say that menopause, like the gift of menopause is that, you know, when you're going through this process, your toleration for anything that doesn't feel like aligned with your life or with you is very, very tiny. And so it kind of forces you to address things that maybe you've kind of pushed pushed away, pushed aside, right? You get to this point where you're like, I cannot continue to do this thing. And it, then it makes you kind of yeah. make some decisions about where yeah. you want to go with your life and what you want to realign. So I mean, for me, that has been the greatest gift of menopause yeah. is building, redirecting yeah. my life and building a life that feels truly aligned with me as a person and my values <laughs> and what I want from so the next good. chapter of my life. And menopause, yeah, having so the resources to deal with that is just so critically important. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And you're right. When this is a crucial moment for all of us, often in our careers, often in our lives. And you're right. If you feel like crap, if you have no idea what's going on, you just cannot embrace it as you could. I'm not saying that Every support, every community, every kind of pre-education will make it go away or will make it less troublesome because for some it is really a rough transition Mm -hmm. and the hormones are really impacting how one feels. I'm not trying to belittle that, but I do think that, and I think you were alluding to that before, Jennifer, knowledge is power and just knowing what to ask for knowing that you're not alone, removing the stigma of it and just saying, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I don't want to talk with my employer. I don't want to talk with my girlfriends about it. Just having that reassurance that it's normal can help us making it so much more easy to deal with than it has been in the past. For sure. For sure. Amazing. So where can people go to find the Perry Sisterhood? What's the best way to access it? Go to heyperry.com. Hey, like the word heyperry.com in one word. That's our website. There you find a lot of content, a lot of articles, you find our book, and you also find the 
link to our free platform app. It is an app just because it's a safer way of having these conversations and navigating through all the content. Definitely check out our Instagram. It's called Oh Hello Perry. And next to your wonderful podcast, Jennifer, if you want to listen to a couple of perimenopause experts, you can check out our podcast called Perimenopause WTF. Amazing. So I have experienced all of these <laughs> Perry resources. I've gone through them. Incredibly valuable. So everybody listening, I'm going to make sure all of this gets in the show notes, but everybody listening, you know, if you take one thing Great. away from this conversation is heyperry.com, go there. Like such a valuable resource. And thank you. Thank you again for creating it, for having the foresight to create it and thank also you, educate the women coming behind us. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, everybody listening, all of this will go in the show notes so you can um, pick it up there. And Laura, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Like I I want to scream your resource from the top of all the mountains. (laughs) Um, And uh, thank you. You're you're amazing. Thank you. Just equip women with this knowledge because it is really empowering to be able to understand for yourself before you start having conversations with your employer, with your doctor, with your family right? To be able to have a frame of reference for what's happening to you is is so empowering. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So everybody listening, if you like what you heard today, the greatest thing that you could do for us is to leave us a rating or a review and better yet, and especially with this episode, pass it along to a friend, a relative, a sister, anybody that you think would get some value out of it. And I think I'm saying a double for this episode because this is one that we need to get out among as far as possible across the perimenopausal and menopausal community. So thank you. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.